what is that 20 21 runs in two games Look, Correa, I don't know what time it is, but my guess is that it's probably time to figure it out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0 Take, where we talk all things Major League Baseball. Here's Kyle Corwin and Nate Reyes. It all starts right now. Welcome back to the 3-0 Take. This is episode 243. I'll be your host, Kyle Corwin, and I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes. Night. Hey, we're back. So, look, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to run this again. We're gonna run the old uh, start an episode in the middle of a gameplay because look, these games are seventeen hours long. Seventeen at minimum, and I don't really know how to feel about it. I mean, did you catch any like the uh, the pregame stuff for this game? Yeah, with yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you hear Frank Thomas's theory about like we us needing to like expand the strike zone in order to speed these games up a little bit? Yep. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. No, but then you run into the issue of just needing consistently wide, large strike zones, and then that brings in the whole robot um thing. But yeah. what are your uh, on a on a bigger scale here? What are your thoughts on how long these games are going? Uh, let me rephrase. If you had a team in the postseason right now, how would you feel about watching long postseason games? Because I've heard are the Yankees really still living rent free in your head right now. <laughs> well, okay, give my give me some credit here. I didn't mean that as a jab. I was genuinely yeah. curious because that would obviously dictate a little bit more whether or not you would be up for long postseason games. Because as I was, because it doesn't, it's not as long when it's your team, right? And as I was getting ready to say, like if you're watching your team, it's like. I wish these games would go 20 hours because I just want to watch my team play postseason baseball. Right. And then they have, of course, they need to be winning for you to feel that way. But if your team's not in it at all, you're looking at these games going, well, I really don't care about who's in these games, who's playing in these games, and really don't care about the outcome. And it's taking 17, 18 hours to finish a game. So, well, I think that's the tough part. And I would venture to say more so this year than ever. Because you're talking about three out of the four teams are widely hated. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know why. It just seems like it's worse this year. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's a combination. I feel like it's such a contradiction when Manfred argues we need to shorten these games, but at the same time happily takes the paychecks from any of the you know TV stations and any of the, you know, broadcasting and any of the commercials that come in and any anything that's going to bring in paychecks it's like well i don't think these teams need that long in between innings but you got to fit in so many commercials during these during these postseason games that we've heard from players before we've heard we've seen that like umpires not getting the inning started until they get the okay from whoever's on the ground producer wise for whoever's covering the game, specifically for Fox or TBS during the postseason. We've heard that before. We know that that's a thing. Umpires are ready to go. Players are ready to go. But there's a dude standing standing at the edge of the dugout, keeping his hand up near all the cameras saying, hey, we're not ready yet. They're still in their last commercial. It is what it is. It's not a big deal. I'm never going to be the guy that says we need to shorten baseball games in any way. I don't think there's anything that we can do that isn't so much of a difference maker as it is of kind of a, an annoyance. What's the point of shaving eight minutes off a game? Does that really make any of us happier? Do we need to have, you know what I mean? Nothing about the game needs to change. Find a way to introduce other aspects and change those. You may need to move the mic back because you're coming in awfully hot. I'm coming in hot. That's how I feel though. That's the way I think about the broadcasting it's not it's not even about the game as as much as it is the tv coverage no but actually you might need to move the mic back because you're coming in awfully hot in this normal spot as always you want it back here i'm talking normally there we go that's a little better this is never of that far i don't know what you're talking about i had to turn you down because of how hot you're coming in i think you might have knocked your little your little speaker setting over there guy you know me. You know I'm consistent across the board. I don't. I don't change these things. But for those keeping track, if if we haven't indicated already, 
which I believe we did. We're recording this in the middle of the game. It is currently eleven to three. I mean, it's just a. I mean, it's a bloodbath to to put it simply. Here here in Boston, we're looking at game three, uh, about ready to head in, head into the middle of the seventh. Uh, so we're just gonna go ahead and chalk this up as a, a two one series lead. Uh, but before we get into the the ALCS, let's let's talk NLCS because. Uh, it's a travel day for the Braves and Dodgers. They're getting all all comfy out there in L.A. Uh, Dodgers, however, my friend, they're not feeling all too comfy right now. Down two games to none. Uh, did anybody see this happening? I think Braves fans claim that they did. So, so look, Braves fans, we need to have a little little chat. I caught some heat, but I know Braves fans, and they caught I I caught heat from what you put out on Twitter, and I was like, I didn't put it out there. Kyle, <laughs> look, did. look, no, 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 I I won't I won't group you into this. I won't throw you under the bus. This was <laughs> I went rogue on this one, and I I'll take full responsibility for it. So for those who don't have any idea what I'm talking about, I put out this meme today where it was talking about it was in reference to the way that some Braves fan, not all Braves fans. Uh, responded to Freddie Freeman's first couple games. I believe it was, what, seven straight Ks? Is that correct? Yeah, tying a career high. Yeah, and then I think he threw in a, a pop out there towards the end. He he broke, he snapped the, the strikeout streak, but just not, not a solid first two games for Freddie Freeman. The meme was in reference to that, talking about how this guy... This poor guy, Freddie Freeman, can just go out there and put up back-to-back MVP caliber seasons, winning an MVP in one of them, and then everybody's just praising him. Oh, he's our Lord and Savior, Freddie Freeman, MV-free, MV-free, all this nonsense. And then he goes out, albeit they're NLCS games, I understand, but he goes out in two games in which they won and has, what, six straight Ks and a flyout, and you're, you're calling for his head. And the minute I put this meme out, oh, it just, the comments were flooding in. Oh, we don't claim those fans. This never happened. <laughs> Look, clearly it does because I came across it. And although it wasn't as, as frequent as, I maybe embellished it a little bit. That's a little hush-hush. We don't need to get into details here. <laughs> yeah. We're just kind of, we're just, we're just picking apart at details here. But there are fans out there. And Braves fans just don't want to admit it. Look, people coming at me saying, oh, you just trying to make us look bad. We love you and I both love Braves fans. I mean, for the most part, you may have some some issues with some Braves fans in particular. But for the most part, yeah, a plus fan base like I, I have no issues with them. They're they're passionate. They're loyal. And they will clearly if, if I didn't know before, they will go to bat for their guy. <laughs> All I was saying is there was some issue. I took issue with the fact that I saw Braves fans, whether or not true Braves fans want to claim these people. That's that's a whole nother story. That's not my I'm not here to defend those people one way or another. All I'm saying is I took issue with the fact that this guy has time and time again done what he needed to do to get your team where they are. And he has two games where he just clearly just doesn't have it. It happens. It's baseball. It's major league baseball at that. And then you're saying, well, like example, the, the, the tweet that really sparked it for me was there was a tweet from the, or there there was a series of posts from the Braves talking about, you know, like wheels up to LA heading Mm -hmm. out West, yada, yada, yada. And I saw comments being like, yo, can we like leave Freddie behind? Like, can we just leave him in the ATL and we go uh, see if we can win a couple more ball games. And I'm like, are we really saying this like in jest or not? The fact that that's being said, it's a little, that's a little concerning. So all I have to say, we, like I said, just wanted to have a little chat there with Braves fans, let them know I'm not against you. I'm just calling, I'm just calling it like I see it. Now, <laughs> if you want to take up issue with, with those quote Braves fans, then go for it, but don't shoot the messenger. I'm just, I'm just relaying what I'm seeing. That's it. I have nothing against you. I like you guys. You guys are cool. You guys buy of all the fan bases out there. Braves, the Braves merch does the best by far, without a doubt. <laughs> so I have, if not for all those other reasons, that I have that reason to appreciate you. So that's all I have to say on that matter. Here's what I'll say as my message to those fans that are upset with Freddie Freeman. 
<clears throat> for whether it's a majority or minority of fans, I don't know. I would go ahead and say it's the minority of fans. But either way, my message is the stuff that you can't equate, the stuff you can't read in stats. And when you see an 0 for 4 from a guy, that's all you see. What I see and what I think most people who have played baseball see and feel is that when you see a Freddie Freeman in the box, no matter who you are on the mound, which by the way, Max Scherzer literally just came out and said he's the best hitter he's ever faced, and it's not even close. When you're a pitcher on the mound and you see Freddie Freeman in the box, a five pitch at bat probably feels like 12 pitches. The level of focus and wear and tear is just that much more on your body. That's what I feel. And again, if you have a feel for the game, if you've played or if you've watched for a long time, there's certain small victories that again, they're not stats, they're not necessarily equated, nothing you're gonna read in the newspaper. When I see a team that manages to force a 25 pitch inning, maybe got a couple runners on, but they left them on base, nobody scored, but you force a 25 pitch inning in the first inning, that's a win for me. That's a good inning, right? No matter what Freddie Freeman does in the box, he is feared. He is 100% feared, and that pitcher has to be at his best, his absolute best, every time he faces him. I don't care what Freddie does stat-wise, because I know what he can do, and I know what he will do at some point in this series. And I know what he did to get the Braves into this series. So I'm not sweating Freddie Freeman at all. For any Braves fan outs there that that is, take a step back, do a little research, stop being so emotional, because MV Free is the reason you're here. Let me reiterate. I recognize that this is not the majority. I think it's it's very <laughs> clearly the minority, and it may even be like a fraction of a percentage point. My point is, is that there are people that as, uh, that affiliate themselves, that associate themselves with the Atlanta Braves organization that are coming for Freddie Freeman's head <laughs> after two games. Yeah, let, me re- let me repeat that they won, yeah. by the way, which serves as know. a perfect transition. Let's talk NLCS game one, game two, and get these Braves and Dodgers fans ready for game three. Should they be listening today, Tuesday, the day of game three? Let's look at game one. Look, we talked about it previous uh, previous episode or two where the fact that the Braves had home field in this situation is just mm-hmm. wild. Yeah. Just absolutely wild. And look, they used it to their advantage. They maximized every ounce that that fan base brought to Truist, and they put themselves in a phenomenal position. Uh, but I think the fact that they started off the series that way that, the way they did with game one, I think really set the tone, really set the tone. And I know they say, well, momentum's as good as your next day starter. Well, fortunately for the Braves, they're in pretty good shape there. But I think regardless what factors were playing in game two, I think the way they they finished game one was just phenomenal. But looking at the early stages of game one, I think, uh, who was it? Was it me or was it you? We both mentioned our X factors in game one coming up, coming up clutch. I know Will Smith had a solo home run. Who did you have as your X factor? Chris Taylor was Chris my Taylor. X factor. And I think to be to clarify for anyone that didn't hear this, we chose X factors and MVPs only for the winning team of who we think is going to win the series. So obviously, both of us had the Dodgers. We didn't choose any Braves players. Correct. Yeah, so Will Smith has a solo home run. Austin Riley has a solo home run. And then finishes the job later that game. All together, though, were you or were you not impressed with the Braves' ability to manage the Dodgers' offense, to keep them at relative bay? See, that's what I'm trying to figure out about the Dodgers' offense is I'm not sure if if it's a credit to great pitching. I think there is some credit that has to go that way. Or if it's just a really ice-cold offense. This offense is kind of cold right now. I get it. You've dealt with some tough teams. I understand that. But like, bro, get it going a little bit. 250 million freaking dollars. Like, let's let's string together some runs. Let's have a bust out inning. I think one game against the Giants, really, where they put up what seven or eight runs? That's it, right? I mean, that's all yeah, we're really seeing. Yeah, I think so 
Yeah, seven runs, and it was game four. Oh no, game game two. They had nine. I don't know, man. It's I'd, I'd have to give credit to the Braves pitching, but at the same time, you you expect a little bit more. Um, expect a little bit more support. I, I I can't associate it to game one specifically, but game two, I start to see a couple of those like red flags with Dave Roberts again. Couple questionable things going down where I'm like, you're. I thought you were over this. I thought you you got over these weird decisions a few years ago. They're popping up again. What are we doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm sick of it being cute. Stop getting cute. Don't put Arias Arias in in the in the seventh or eighth. Stop. Stop. Like stop. That's stop making that a trend. A clinch game, fine. Bring out your stud starter. Let him close the game out. I don't care. I don't want to see this in the middle of series anymore. Stop doing that. It's odd. It doesn't make sense. I don't care if it lines up for his bullpen day. I don't care. It's really weird the way these teams are managing their pitchers. And at the beginning of this, I know we're not talking the Red Sox right now, but at the beginning of this Red Sox-Astros game, they showed the number of games that a pitcher has gone 7-plus in this postseason. Way down. It's way down. And I, I, I just don't understand. You use your bullpen all freaking year. Was it three games, by the way, or am I thinking of another stat? Three. I think it was three, yeah. I think John Smoltz was about ready to have an aneurysm, honestly. Like he they're sitting there saying, John, I mean, I look, I get it. I've been the type of person to say on these broadcasts, they really need to limit the number of times they say, you know, back in my day, because mm-hmm. is it doesn't is, do anything. Yeah, as interesting as you and I and maybe some other people may think those stories may be, maybe because we either grew up watching baseball in the nineties or for the older, for some of the older folk who grew up watching some of these older players back in the 60s, set, whatever, as interesting as we may think that is, you're talking about trying to grow the sport, grow the yeah. demographic, and not even, not even by trying to do anything cute or or taking the sport to another continent. We're just talking about the broadcast of the games yeah. here and now. You, you really got to limit that. But to to John Smoltz's credit, he's he's like, look. I didn't even play that long ago. And we're talking about a completely different ball game back when we had like workhorses, when we had guys go seven, eight, even nine on a regular basis, specifically on that stat with the seven plus innings. All it did was look back to 2001, just 20 years and then 10 years to 2011. It's a drastic change. I don't, I'm not here to say it's good or bad. I'm just saying it's odd. It's odd the way I'm seeing pitchers being used or not used enough or managed. And I understand Scherzer, kind of the limp arm thing. He came out in the in the post-game interview and admitted, look, like, my arm is dead. My arm was dead from warm-ups. I said I was going to try to get to the fourth, and that's what I did, knowing that I have a solid bullpen behind me. Dead I just arm don't, is- I don't like when, when managers get cute. Stop trying to be that. I don't need to see Julio Rios... In the freaking seventh inning. Why? What are you doing? Stop. Like, use somebody else. Use a fifth starter. Use a reliever. Stop doing things because I don't want to see Urias come out in his next start. And it's going to be affected from whatever he did from that start. And I get it. If it's his bullpen day, you put a 25-pitch max on it, I don't care. But if the guy gets hit around a little bit, what does that do? You're getting overly cute with the opener and not opening and holding that information late. At some point, you just got to go out there and say, this is my guy. We're going right now. Here's my lineup. Here's five, here's my lineup five hours early. Good luck beating me. It's so much like, oh, Dave Roberts out here playing chess, not checkers. Stop. Go with your guy. Play baseball. They know your roster. Trust me. They have it all figured out. They watch film on all your pitchers. You're not surprising anybody. You're not bringing somebody out that completely changes the game plan. If it does, it's not by much. Show me a little confidence in your roster and go get it. Stop trying to be cute. Show me a little confidence like Ron Washington has in just send everybody. Guys, sending guys home. Have you heard oh. the new nickname? Ronnie? Ronnie Windmill. Ronnie I like that. Windmill. I am here for it. And look, people are saying, <laughs> uh, people are saying. 
Man, I hope he uh, hope he gets a, another managerial spot. And honestly, I've had that thought within the last couple of days. But yeah, I think literally maybe minutes before I hopped on this episode, I said, or I decided in my mind, I said, I don't know if I'd, I I want to see that. I like the role he's in. In fact, I was DMing somebody about it before we hopped on. I like him in the role that he's in right now where he can help players, but he's not going to get held to the fire based on the team's performance if they if it heads south. Yeah. And, and I think that's where he thrives. He can do yeah. he sit there, do his little one knee fungos, and he can yep. send everybody around third to home and he's happy. He's enjoying I, life. I completely agree. I think he's arguably the, probably the best infielder coach in the game. And what we're witnessing at this point in October is that he's probably one of the best third base coaches too. And now that we're in a day and an age where like Let's just dig up old information on people and constantly badger them about it and break them down and use it against them. Ron Washington does have a past and he's dealt with some drug issues in the past. I don't need to hear about that again. I don't need to bring that up again. Ronnie Washington has done what he's needed to do to get in good graces and he's in the perfect spot and he's at an age where it's like, let me just ride out this, this team, man. Like this is a solid team with a young core. Yeah, Eric Young coaching first base, who's clearly f- having fun. He knows how to swipe bags. He taught his son how to swipe bags. You got Walt Weist as the bench coach that like has clearly had some experience in, in postseason ball as a player, and he's had some managerial experience. They have an amazing staff. I think that's something that needs a ton of credit. Like that coaching staff is up there. And I think we have to look at that with like across the board. I think that's such an underrated thing that people don't talk about enough is that we're ready to break down the lineup and pitching staff of any team ever, especially in the postseason. But like, think about these, these coaches of all four teams. They know what they're doing. I don't think Ron Washington needs any help staying young. I feel like that's a, he's the kind of guy where like, he's just going to, he's going to do what he needs to do to stay in the good graces of, of the youth around him. But, this team just keeps it. They make it so easy for him. This team yeah. is a fun team, and you yeah. can tell he is loving every second of it, and it's yeah. fun to watch. Yeah, hundred percent. He's he's solid, and I think um, I think it does a lot for uh, for Snicker of just having some guys that you know, like we hear about other teams, and and you hear about like the managerial decisions of bringing in somebody who's going to be a player's coach. Or is he going to be a hard ass and he's and he's don't approach me kind of thing? Like, what's his approach? I think the value of what Eric Young and Ron Washington are doing for Snicker right now takes a lot of that pressure off of who does Snicker need to be, right? Like, what's my identity as a, as a manager? Do I need to adjust for certain guys? No, dude. You do you. And you let your your first and third base coaches be the, be the guys, be the fun one, be the one that's ready to dance in champagne. And you can do what you need to do. I love it. It's an amazing staff. And I again, that that deserves a ton of credit. I feel like Ron Washington's like that guy. He's like the the former CEO where like you get this new young buck coming in, taking over the CEO role. Then you got this guy that's retired that already has been there, done that. And he comes on as like the right-hand man. Where he's like, yeah, sure, man. I'll do whatever you need me to do. <laughs> like, I, I, I know what, I, I know what I'm doing here. And I feel like that's Ron Washington. He's like, look, and I, I've, I've been here. I've done that. I'm just here to enjoy this chapter of my life. And I'm going to do it to the fullest as I'm (laughs) sending quite literally every guy that touches third base home. I have no (laughs) intentions of talking with anybody at third base. (laughs) Oh man. Did you see, I don't remember who posted it. I want to say like one of the other podcast ones, probably starting nine where you know that picture of where you're like right behind the dugout and you just see the top of the dugout and then like the fence. I posted and there's, that. Did you with Ron shared, Washington? Yeah, I shared that. He's like got that little grin like he's, he's up to He just turns around with the little grin. I saw it in like four different ones. <laughs> That's like the ultimate troll. Oh, it's just uh, hilarious. Oh, uh, Let's make it 12-3. Raffy Devers, thank you. Thanks for coming out, Houston. Have a good night. We'll see you again tomorrow. What a fraudulent organization. I think we've already hit the over, haven't we? We talked about double-digit games. Oh, yeah, which we took the over. I think we both took the over, right? 
But let's talk. Let's talk game two. We kind of we we kind of dabbled in a little bit, but game two, Atlanta takes a, the victory by a score of five to four. Uh, Corey Seager with a two-run bomb, my MVP selection, which credit to those coming at me for my MVP pick, solely based on the fact that the Dodgers are down two games to none. Otherwise, like Corey's got Corey Seager's got a two-run bomb. Like I'm feeling, I'm feeling okay about it. Yeah, so Mookie's Mook stringing out hits. I'm feeling good. We with got, my pick. yeah, I mean, we got more more baseball. Your X, more baseball your X factor, Will Smith. My X factor, Chris Taylor. Doing fine. Uh, it's just the team overall. The Dodgers are just kind of letting us down here, making yeah. us look making us look real bad. Yeah. Uh, but Jock Peterson, Pearl Power. It's getting it's getting unreal at this point, dude. The ball is launched off a of Scherzer, straight launched. Chop house. I'm gonna go over to the chop house. Just that, drilled. That was a nuke. And Atlanta. I mean. We I I've already spent enough time on this on this podcast praising the Atlanta fan base, the majority of them. That place was rocking. Yeah, and there was a writer I can't remember his name. It, he was a dude from around the horn. Bill uh, it was like Bill Plashkey or whatever. Do you know who I'm talking about? The bald I know, guy. Yeah, I know exactly who you're yeah, talking like, about. Yeah, yeah it's like the bald guy, Bill Bill Plashkey. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, he was. I don't. I don't remember where I he hated was. that show. Yeah, oh, terrible. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't remember. Yeah, we could talk about that for a whole nother episode. <laughs> I don't know um, where. I can't remember where he's based out of. Like what city? But he he went on a, a Twitter tirade, which I I hate guys like this where they they quite literally take the whole. I'm gonna I'm gonna poke the bear a little bit. I'm gonna stoke the fire just to get mm-hmm. some engagement. They they take it and just run with it to the the tenth degree. Just completely throwing reason and any of that to the wind. He he went on this uh twi- got to be careful my words here. Twitter tirade mm-hmm. uh talking about how baseball is just it's dead, how the most exciting part of game 1 in Atlanta felt like a you were at like a shopping mall or something or like Waffle House or something. I don't know what he was talking about. I, I needs to get I think he needs to get the checked, clown. honestly. I don't know what's going on. But all that to say, I mean, looking at the postseason as a whole, and specifically these two walk-offs for the Braves, I mean, baseball is alive and well. And the fact that the Braves walked it off back-to-back nights and Atlanta responded accordingly, I think that goes to show you that uh, we, we don't have any issues here, Bill. I, I don't I don't even – I feel like that's a path that we don't need to go down. Look, yeah, look. Anyone, not, anyone listening to our podcast knows that our game is just fine. It's I'm, not going anywhere. I'm not even trying to give him any shine. Yeah. I just, I just needed to address that because I was thinking along the lines of how, how just on fire the city of Atlanta was in terms of how they responded to the walk-offs, like crazy. Yeah. Um, game two. Yeah, I mean, uh, like we talked about, Scherzer kind of just admitted. Dead arm, didn't really have, you know, the full amount. Said he was going to give what he could. Was straight up with it. I think that's a true vet right there that can admit that. Know when his time is done. Specifically, what inning and what batter we're going to match up with. Um, knowing, you know, I'm, I'm not going to have 100, 110 pitches in this today. So, understandable. Um, Offense-wise, I mean, I think the biggest thing, and again, my X factor, was that base running blunder with Chris Taylor of potentially going to first to third on a single kind of got caught in between a little rundown. It was, I don't know if it would have turned into something, but it, it could have. So that's an issue there. But the more I watch these games, I just want Austin Riley to, to win the NL MVP. Stop. That's what I want. Any other year. I'd, I'd love it. I'm, I I do feel conflicted because I was I mean I, I think I've made it clear by this point in the season those were two uh, preseason picks I I felt pretty confident about Bryce Harper winning NL MVP and Austin Riley just having a a, a solid year I didn't think it would amount to this I I truly didn't I I thought he would bounce back from a little bit of an iffy year or two but I mean I'm hearing the MVP chance and I. It's really hard to to ignore them because the, the guy is just here. It, look, I I I truly wish, and people may disagree with me. I truly wish they would name the 
award winners immediately after the end of the regular season. Yeah. Because it's so hard to sit there yeah. and say, well, we don't take postseason performance into account should yeah. they be in the postseason. And then look at what a guy like Austin Riley is doing and not take that into account. Well, that part I'm not sure about. Aren't the votes in before the postseason? We just don't find out the results until later. Yeah. I mean, either way, like, I, truth be told, I'm, I'm not even sure. It's, it's very likely that's the case. Either I would way, hope though, so. either way, public perception plays into that too, where it's like, yeah. even if the votes are in and it comes out that Bryce Harper haven't sat on his couch for however long by the end of the yeah. postseason, and then you got a guy like Austin Riley who very well could be, who knows, looking at a World Series ring when it's all said mm-hmm. and done. And you're going to sit there and say, yeah, no, Bryce Harper's a guy. Yeah. Even though the votes were in before the postseason, you look at that and you go, I don't know. Recency bias plays into this a little bit. Austin Riley has gone full beast mode this postseason. Yeah. How are we not giving it to this guy? Yeah, I know. I know. I hindsight's twenty twenty, but I wish our predictions I wish my prediction was a little different. Choosing I don't know if I would change I'm not ready to bail on the Dodgers. Obviously the the Dodgers in five is not possible at this point. I just feel like overlooking the athleticism of this roster is such a mistake. What the Braves are capable of when all things are moving in the right direction is highly impressive. But and what, I, th- I truly think a Red Sox-Braves matchup would be the best possible thing. I really do. Because of two teams that are, I mean, one team's doing it differently, obviously. One, one team is doing things I don't think we've ever seen in the postseason. The other team is just finding a way to win ballgames. But you're talking about dudes that just, everyone knows their role. And it's such a well-balanced lineup, and it's all put together so well. It's just, it's highly impressive, dude. And I wish I would have said this series was going like seven. Yeah, at least six. give ourselves a chance. Like, we yeah. completely shut ourselves on foot. I mean, we could, like, do a two-game-in prediction. No. Maybe re- <laughs> reassess our no, picks. No, it's fine. People in the comments section can tear us apart, per use. Yeah, I I really shot myself in the foot with that caption too. I I put up our championship series predictions and I was like, <laughs> "We'll we'll be waiting on your this aged well comments, thinking that like, oh, maybe we'll get lucky and like, we'll, at least you're of, trending we'll, is to be somewhat right. I'm trending to be zero and two. Look, like I said, consistency is the key when it comes <laughs> to this guy. I was five hundred last. Last stage of the postseason, I could potentially be looking at a 500 split here. <laughs> Sox moving on. Look, I mean, 500 in the game of baseball, pretty good. <laughs> no matter which way you cut it. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, anyway, good for Braves. Great baseball being played. Resilient baseball being played. Then I think the the easiest way to look at it is that they're, they're up 2 nothing while their MVP, reigning MVP, is not feeling quite right and it's a shame that he's not even going to get a chance to redeem himself because he's back in atlanta with his family because yeah he's not even flying left him off the team plane uh but yeah shout out shout out eddie rosario man wow love that wow 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 and this didn't even mention his name i know and this is coming out to i mean i think we can go ahead and say jorge soler is probably going to be starting these games without the covid stuff so Rosario's just like, yeah, it's all good. I'll take over. Oh, you want me to hit first? Got you there, too. Oh, you want me to make crazy slides all over the place? You want me to be flying around these bases? You want me to come up with clutch hits? I got all that down. But that is, that's what's different about the Braves this year. They had to do that from the jump. They had to do that as soon as Acuna went down. Cool. No one here is going to have Acuna numbers. Anyone here going to do that? No. How about two or three of us combined for that, right? How about two or three of us create two Acuna's worth of production? Cool, let's do that. That's what they're doing. That's what they're used to. So Stellaire goes down, Rosario's no problem. I got this. And that's the mentality that it's been the whole time. I'm here for it. The more I watch his Braves team, the more I think they are just, they are meant to be. Oh, Correa, you hate to see it. Thinking you could at least get one hit on the night. Flies out to Hunter Renfro, who makes a spectacular play in right field to end the game. That's really unfortunate, Carlos Correa. I really feel bad for your Astros team. 
having come out and made such a strong statement in game one, only to just get manhandled the next two games. I really, I really feel bad, Carlos Correa. That's just really unfortunate. What is that? 20, 20 plus. What, how many we score game two? I lost count. Nine, right? What is that? 20, 21 runs in two games. <sighs> Look, Correa, I, I don't know what time it is, but my guess is that it's probably <laughs> time to figure it out because, I mean, it's not looking good. Uh, all right, we're moving on. Take over, pal. It's your time to shine. I mean, there's, well, no, hold on. One last, one last little nugget here for the Braves Dodgers. For those keeping score at home, the Braves are the fourth team to have walk-off wins in game one and two of the same postseason series. The last team to do it was the Marlins versus the Giants in the 1997 NLDS. Hmm. Sorry, I do these research for these nuggets, and then when I don't get the chance to share them, I get upset. I know, so I, just, I know. I know we also, wanted- side note, don't be popping bottles yet. Braves were up two games last year, too. So. Yeah, but this is a different Braves team. I agree. This this Braves team saying don't celebrate prematurely. Look, I've I've been watching the Sox game out of one corner of my eye over here this whole time, so I don't know if I've already said this or not. I couldn't can't remember. But this Braves team shouldn't shouldn't be here. For all intents and purposes, they shouldn't be here. You look at their yeah. team, you look at what they're what they're missing. Yeah. That worries me a little bit. Yeah. As a Red Sox fan who would like to see his team in the World Series. That worries me a little bit. Another team that arguably shouldn't be there. So. Right, but I mean, you, you look at the Red Sox and it's like, I don't know. Like, they're not, you you may look at that team and go, well, I mean, they don't really scare me that much, but they have guys that are, are going to produce, and they have produced. Sure, they had that, that slide there at one point in the season, but you look at the Braves team and it's just like, they're hurting. They've been hurting all year. They're, they've been missing a lot of pieces. And it's like, even if you do have guys that produce, it's not going to be enough production to get you over the humps that you need to get over to get where they're at. But they have, and they're here. And that scares me a little bit. Two up on the Dodgers. Look, we I think you and I were both in agreement. If Whoever was coming out of that NLDS between the Dodgers and Giants. Should be exhausted. Well, That's why I don't understand why we chose Dodgers in five. What was well, that about? What were we thinking? It's not that they're going to be exhausted, but you just think, like, that's the best team you're going to play. Yeah. There's a letdown. This There's a little bit of, of relaxation bracket. going on. And I think that's what we said. I think that's why we gave the Braves that one game, because it's like, well, maybe maybe the Dodgers come out a little a little tired. Maybe they just don't don't have it. They kind of yeah. overlook the Braves a little bit. We'll give them one game, but we'll, get, we'll, we'll give them – five to do it and yeah. here we are down two games now with that said boston red sox are now up on the astros two games to one after a 12-3 bludgeoning that just concluded it is 11 30 p.m eastern uh look we got some things to talk about kike hernandez like you can't even do this in mlb the show well big daddy matt can because I, i've got it set to like rookie and <laughs> he has like 300 home runs every season so <laughs> Aside from Big Teddy Mac, he's uh, you're not going to see much of what Kike has been doing really ever. Um, he had a solo home run. No, he had two solo home two. runs in game one. Two in game Sorry, one. Sorry, yeah. I was losing track. Two solo home runs in game one. Mixed in there in the middle, you had the Correa celebration, which we all know about by this point. Nothing really new to write home about there. What were your thoughts on that? And then we can move on because I don't really care about this anymore. Specifically the celebration. Yeah. He's playing the villain. And he I think he's a I think he's just settled into that role. So I don't really blame him for the for the celebration. He's my least favorite player. I'll make that clear. My least favorite player. Are you but sure? But he it's knows not, how to be the villain. Are you sure it's not A Rod? Because I'm looking at this broadcast right now, and he just stood up and turned around to the Fenway faithful and put on his little Yankees helmet and just put his arm like have some awareness, dude. And then everybody just started walking away. <laughs> Figure, have some awareness, anyway. Yeah, Correa. I I've said it before. I'll say it again. I've never seen somebody embrace the fact that they're. I mean, I don't want to say scum, but like you cheat the game, you disrespect mm-hmm. the game, and you. You're all of a sudden never really apologized for it. Ne- not an ounce of remorse, and yeah. you're 
you're almost proud of it and you're embracing it. I, I, yeah. I don't understand. You you get mad at people who come at you with facts claiming they don't know the facts. This guy it makes zero sense to me. And I, I've already told you this. I hope he ends up on the Yankees because I, I need that. Speaking of villain, I just need I, him. To I end up saw in that. I saw that take by one of the Yankee podcasts, actually, that it's like the Yankees haven't had a villain. The Yankees haven't been like that mean evil empire in a while. And he would be the most hated guy on that team immediately. I hope to God he does not. I'm not kidding. I, I really, truly, that would never change for me. I don't care if he signs. I, I hate that guy. I would never be able to root for him. It would make it very difficult to root for that team. As far as the celebration goes, like I said, he knows how to be the villain. He's embracing it. He does like the, every time he rounds third after a home run, he throws a hand up to the ear, like trying to listen for the crowd. That's just, he's hated. And it now he uses it as fuel. So tough thing is that it only works when they're winning, which they haven't done in a couple of games. No, I mean, not only have they just haven't won, they haven't even sniffed it. Um, I texted you after, what was it, game two? I said, here comes the uh, the Altuve yips. Uh, here we are. I, I mean, I just, I saw a, a two-hop routine just flip that thumb down, double play opportunity to probably get out of that inning with two or three runs only. Kick me off my chest. Next thing you know, granny, granny ball deep to right field by Schwarber, and there you go. Yeah, speaking of grand slams, we haven't talked about game two. Yeah. Three grand slams in three games. Well, two games. Back Technically, to back to- yeah. I was just talking about the series in general, but yes. Yeah. yeah. JD wow. comes out, grand slam. Oh, before we get to that, to your point, yes. I saw, the, I saw the Altuve play tonight, and I'm going, like, you really could have helped yourself out there, and I'm not gonna sit here and say like just make the play because I I get it. I'm not I'm not out there, but sure, you really could help yourself I, out. There. I don't I don't know. I mean that was at his chest. I mean they were talking about how, I think Smol I think it was Smoltz was saying that it was like oh well, it hit off the mound, it, nowhere near the mound. No, I don't. I didn't it hit hear right that, in front but... of home plate and then hit the grass behind the mound, like well behind the mound. And I mean when up... you see a big hop as an infielder, what do you do? You go. Big hop, go. You come and go get, get it. it. Go get a short hop. He got, it wasn't even an in-between hop. It was just a hard, long hop that like, flip your thumb down, bro. What are you doing? Getting handcuffed <laughs> up in here. Terrible. Ter- what a joke. Jose Altuve is a joke. Carlos Correa is a joke. And you can only be the villain when you have stuff to feed off of. They got nothing to, to feed off of right now. You got nothing to work with right now. They're in the dumps. It's hard to be the villain when you're when you're putting up football scores and you're only putting up a field goal. <laughs> like that's that's a tough look. But yeah, game two, uh, JD Grand Slam, top of the first. Oh, we haven't even talked about this yet. Can we please talk about this Luis Garcia injury thing? What was that? <sighs> Forty-one minutes between pitches for Ivaldi. Forty-one. Or no, I'm sorry, did I say pitches? 41 minutes between pitches. Jake Odorizzi, I didn't know that I didn't like you until that moment. It's what now been confirmed. That you were talking I don't about get that. You were talking about commercials and all that earlier about the length of games. Bro, if I had to see another I I don't know what commercial I kept seeing over. Was it the Clayton Kershaw tires one or is that only the NLCS games? I, I kept seeing <laughs> the same commercials because they had at least two Two commercial breaks, maybe three, during that stretch. And I'm going, this guy is really running through his his whole routine here, like out on the field. Yeah. This is really so, happening. I'm, I think we can go ahead and chalk it up as saying Dusty did that on purpose. Try to ice the offense a little bit. It's a win-win, right? Try to ice get the Evaldi offense out of the game. And try to get Evaldi to get cold again. Because my if, if it's an option for me, go ahead and get a reliever to finish that inning. If if Jake Odorizzi needs literally a half hour to get hot, let him do that in the bullpen. Get a reliever, finish out this inning. Then that gives Odorizzi basically a full half to get ready. But no, this was done on purpose. I've never seen I've never seen anything like that ever. Any game, I've never seen a guy actually come out with his freaking sleeve on, throwing heavy balls, going through his legit full 
pregame routine. And I just knew, I knew deep down, I was like, this guy's going to get shelled. (laughs) This guy's going to get absolutely lit up for this alone. There's no possible way this guy's going to be successful in this game. Sure enough. Pretty sure it was like first AB. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It just wasn't going to happen. His post-game interview was miserable, too. It was just as long and slow (laughs) as his freaking warm-up. Yeah, I mean, we we saw that third Grand Slam tonight, but with that game two uh, pair of Grand Slams, Red Sox became the first team in history to have two Grand Slams in the same postseason game, which I find I, I kind of find that hard to believe, honestly. Like, yeah, it's, it seems like it would be rare, but the first, yeah, that is pretty it's crazy. On the betting side of things, I saw that someone put up a hundred bucks on yes that there will be a Grand Slam hit, cashed out for nineteen hundred bucks. Imagine the guy that bet that there'd be two. Yeah, I know. <laughs> kind of money do you be raking in there? Uh, yeah, shocker to nobody. Kike Hernandez had another home run in game two, uh, which literally they scored so many runs tonight in game three. I can't even remember if he was one of the guys that had a home run tonight. But with his home run in game two, entering game three, that gave him five home runs in seven postseason games which tied the franchise single year slash postseason record. And this is still this got is a plenty guy. of games left. <laughs> and this is a guy that you're talking about being a platoon man in the mm-hmm. in the start of the se- at the start of the season. Yeah. I know. And I know you I appreciate you giving me credit over the weekend on the story that you dug up an old text that I sent you in March and I was like, I love the Kike being on this team. Like I love the signing uh, of him. Excuse me, sir. If you notice, the text was blue. That was from me. That I was, said that. That was both of us. You oh, I hundred percent said that, and we said it at the same time. You as said, soon as it happened, I, I, I don't know. You about said all that. that. You dug that up in the season. I said this in the spring training. Nate, look as at soon as he di- signed. Nate, the date was literally from March. I said it before the season started. Watching spring training games, and then I'm you followed you right up now. in that text and said, "Yeah, he's a stud." I'm telling you, you right now. Are you? I, right? I. If you want to go back and find that podcast episode, I literally when that signing went down, whatever. I don't even. Was it a trade? I don't even remember when it happened. When he was acquired by the Red Sox, I said that could be one of the most underrated moves of the season, slash uh, off season, whatever it was. Okay. Well, the fact that you're just quite. All I'm sure. saying is, I need some credit on this, not just you. You're just trying, you're literally taking the words that I said. Like the text was blue. I sent that. It was my screenshot. I said yeah, I just I want really, you to dig. I just want you to dig a little further. Back. I said I really, really like having Kike on this team. And you're literally sitting here saying, "Yeah, I sent this text to you back in March, and I really, really like." <laughs> That's a little I questionable. Will, I will let you. I will let you speak. Go ahead. Do your no, 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 no. I want you. I'm gonna. I'm searching right now. You do your thing. Do your little search. I don't even care. Uh, recapping game three, look, I didn't have any notes because we started this episode like halfway through the game, so I don't have any notes, but look, it was a lot to a little. Uh, the Astros should truthfully feel like this series is pretty much over because that's how it feels for most people watching this series because they yeah. have done absolutely nothing these last two games, and although it's only a 2-1 to one advantage to the Red Sox, like I said, it truly feels like this series is over, and I hope that they don't make me look like an idiot here in a after a couple games and they the Astros come back and 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 do what they do seemingly in in the postseason but look it I'm just not getting any any energy from this Houston team and look I mean I'm here for it but I I just I'm not seeing it I'm just really not seeing it and the fact that they have two more in Fenway that's not good news if you're the Astros because I don't know if you've noticed Fenway can be pretty rowdy I'm gonna go ahead and say. Game four is an absolute must win. I know it's not an elimination game. 100% a must win for the Astros if they want to see this go seven. Because I don't I don't think they win a game five down 3-1. I don't think there's any chance that happens. Um, but I, I mean, I agree with you. It's But it is, here's what I will say is that this, this Astros team, they pick up a vibe pretty quickly. They pick up a positive thing pretty quickly, and I mean you can you can look at like any anything defensively. And I'm I guess we're bringing back Correa into this, but like all it takes is for 
a double play with Correa and he shows off a 105 arm or whatever he thinks he has from second base. And like that swagger is immediately back. That energy is immediately back. So that is a, a possibility. But when you talk about polar opposites as far as performance goes out of your guys, what is going on at the top of their lineup? Michael Brantley is ice cold. The guy that doesn't get ice cold is ice cold. Altuve yeah. is absolutely in his head, by the way. Brantley's, uh, oh, for sure. But uh, Brantley's postseason hitting streak ended this series, I believe. Ice cold. Bregman. Game, game two. Ice cold. Your Don's a your your Don's a, a swing and miss guy. It is what it is. He's either going to drop bombs or or not. It's about it. A lot of ice cold guys going right now. But yeah, uh, you never know. But I I kind of agree with you. I don't have any kind of faith of them taking this series back at any point. How, um, do, you, how do you see the rest of the series playing out? I, like have you, they, you just, have they just, released starters for tomorrow? Uh, let's see here. I, I do know this. I know the Red Sox are in fantastic shape with pitching. The Astros absolutely <laughs> they're in rough did shape. not need this to happen tonight, and it happened, and Urquidy now has an ERA of 27. Tough. I'm assuming that's postseason, but 27 nonetheless. Not I don't good. even see probables at this point. Do you? Uh, let's see. Yeah. Granky as listed as game four. Yikes. Game Need four socks. Sorry. <laughs> I know my predictions have been pretty garbage, but I feel pretty good about that one. And if they, for some reason, win that game, then it's because the uh, the, the Red Sox just died because, sorry, game, no, game four. Coming to Boston, 3-1, heading into game five. And then they're going to win that game, and my prediction is going to be right. Game Sox in five, just like I said. <laughs> Who's going for the Red Sox? It doesn't say. It doesn't. It truly doesn't matter. They have so many options to play with at this point. I assume you give Sale an extra day. Erod going. Uh, I don't know if you. I don't know if you just save Sale for a long relief type yeah. situation at this point, especially playing the way you're playing right now. Like there's no need. Like if you're able to keep it up at the plate, no need to to burn that start. Um, yeah. But also no need to just absolutely bury his confidence. If the Astros do come out swinging, you know what I mean? Like right. third straight, horrible worst case scenario kind of start. That's, that's bad for the confidence. Yeah. I mean, he's had a string of just terrible starts, but I, as I ha- I'm not giving up on him. I just want to go on record as saying I have not given up on Chris sale. It's just, we need to find a role for him for however long this, uh, this train is going to be, he'll be, be fine next year. He'll be fine next year. Full off season. Full spring training, get built back up. He'll, he'll be fun. Um, uh, one thing we need to talk about, because we briefly talked about Correa's side of the celebration with pointing to the watch or metaphorical watch. Uh, we were watching the game before we hopped on, and my respect for Alex Cora, I, I'm actually like genuinely jealous now. It skyrocketed, you said. Quote, it went through the it, roof. Quote, it through skyrocketed. The through the roof. To the moon. I'm genuinely jealous. Um, Erod walking off the mound. Was it when he was pretty much done? I think was it his last inning? No, he had. No. Uh, I think he had one more after that. One more. Okay. Yeah. So he came out and he's kind of taunting. He's pointing to his wrist, and you can see like both sides of it where Cora is clapping for the end of the inning being done, and he's rooting on his guys. And the sec, I, I mean, literally the second he sees Erod do that. He screams and shuts it down. But followed by the scream, followed by him shutting it down, Erod walks directly over to him at the top step of the dugout, and Cora gives him a hug and gets in his ear. And what I'm, what I'm assuming says, we don't do that. We're not doing that. We haven't done that yet. Don't fall for that trap. I, I, don't, I can't imagine a better move by a manager. I really can't. It could have easily... You could have seen 29 other managers yell at him and then ignore him as he's walking down the steps. And that pitcher, after having a good outing, after basically your team has already secured a dub, could go and sit and pout in the dugout. I I could honestly see 29 other managers just letting that slide, letting that happen, letting that that player fester in, in what he did wrong. Correa, or Correa, Cora chirped? 
let him know that was not okay, and then he immediately told him why, and then moved past it. In my mind, if there's a Cora section, if this team does win the World Series, if there's a Cora section in the DVD, that has to be a part of it. Genuinely, one of the best coaching moments I've seen at any level, at any time of any season, that was probably one of the best moments I've seen from a manager to a player. And I don't think that's an overreaction at all. I know I give you a hard time about Boone and just the terrible, awful, no good manager that he is. I know I give you a hard time about that, but isn't it refreshing to see stuff like this? Like this is this that, is what I this is what I have the fortune of of witnessing on a nightly basis. That to me, the reason I love that so much is because I've I, I played ball, but I I've coached and I've done that. I've had to do that to a kid that was a little bit lost in the moment. I've had to do that before. I've had coaches do it to me when I've been lost in those moments. The effect that it that it does that it brings in, I'm literally talking on any level, it's impressive. But I just watch it on national television in an ALCS game. That constant, plugged in, I'm fully aware of everything at all times kind of manager is extremely rare. And that's why I'm jealous and that's why my respect for him skyrocketed, 100%. Absolutely incredible. I'm highly, highly impressed with the way Cora has a, I'm not even going to say control. I don't like that word. The, the feel he has for his team is, he, is he, impressive. He has a thumb on the pulse of that clubhouse and they recognize that and they appreciate that and they respond accordingly. Just the way they interact with him, the way they, they have his back, the way they support him, the way they credit him for so much of their success. It's, I'm telling you, dude. That's why I was pulling for them to resign to to bring him back on board after this whole suspension thing, because I saw it play out in 2018. And and granted, they had just a team that steamrolled everybody, so you could look at that. Yeah, like, they're doing it well, differently for you, sure. Yeah, you could look at that and be like, well, how much of a role did Cora really play? I'm telling you, if you watch this team on a deeper level than just at the surface, you will see the impact. And you don't even have to be in the clubhouse to know it. You just see yeah. the way he. Like you were saying, the way he picks guys up, the way he makes certain decisions that you look, you as a fan, you may look at it and be like, well, I don't really know about that. And then it plays out and you go, okay, that makes perfect sense now. Yeah. There's been so many instances where Red Sox fans, I, I'll admit, I've, I, I'll throw myself in there where I've looked at a call where he's made where it's been like, well, surely this can't work out. It's like a, a, a pinch hit AB or something. And then the guy goes up there, ropes a, a two RBI double. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, yeah. I get it. I see, I see that he sees something that we don't see. And yeah. that's, it's just, it's been his whole tenure with the Red Sox so far. And I love it. Well, we talked, um, and I don't, there's no need to go back to it, but we talked, uh, was it the wild card game that Ploiecki caught instead of Vasquez? We were both surprised. I think it was the wild card game. Was it the wild card game? I mean, Eovaldi was throwing. I think that's, yeah, that's exactly been, what it was. It was yeah. a wild card game because Eovaldi's last start wasn't great before that and maybe there was some and we talked about maybe some kind of disconnect between Vasquez and Yavaldi. Yeah, yeah 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 no one sees no one no one is talking about that no other manager is having that conversation but the the rapport the trust in the clubhouse the feel of the clubhouse Cora I I feel like I, I feel like we could easily say Cora just walked up to Nate Evaldi and just said who would you prefer I need this win who do you prefer I know it wasn't great for you last start out with Vasquez. And I'm sure the rebuttal to Ivaldi saying, I want Ploiecki, I'm sure the rebuttal says, that's cool, but if we move on, I'm going with Vasquez. Because overall, he's going to help us win these series moving forward. That The guy knows what he's doing. The guy absolutely knows what he's doing. And it, I don't know if the vote is done. I don't know if it's, if it's already figured out. But the, it, if he's not at least top three in manager of the year, I don't know what you have to do to, to win that award. Yeah. I mean, I true, truthfully, I hadn't even thought about that award yet, but uh, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, who, who else do you give that to? I mean, yeah, I mean, the Astros were going to be the Astros, the white Sox. I think that was a pretty clear cut cakewalk for them. I don't really know of what else in the AL. I mean, the rays, the rays are going to be the rays as much as, as much as I didn't want them to be. I'm, you can't give it to Boone. I, I, I truthfully God, don't know no. who's left. Truthfully don't know who's left. I really don't. 
Yeah, I mean, you. I don't, and I don't mean that in a in a way that he's the the only option that isn't. You know what I mean? Like I, I mean, think, like some, even I, if there even are if some Mariners, other guys, there's some that, Mariners fans right sure. now that are probably sure <laughs> screaming through the headphones. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's 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 to come. We still have more baseball to I don't play. Know. Uh, again, just bringing it up one more time. Pay attention to the coaching staff. Literally, pay attention to in all four teams. Pay attention to the coaching staff. And I, despite what's going on, Dusty Baker has been dealt a real tough hand in this series. Like, there's really not much you can do when each one of your starters is getting their doors blown off early in games. There's really not much you can do. As much as I hate the Astros, Dusty Baker's a baseball legend, and he absolutely knows what to do. But there's not much he can do. I got no bones to pick with Dusty Baker. No. I respect what he's doing. I respect what he's done. And I think he's cemented. The way he's handled his his situation here in Houston, I think he's cemented himself as like one of the – regardless of what people say of of fans of teams that maybe he's managed in the past, where it's like, "Ah, I don't know what you're talking about. I think you can look at his resume altogether and be like, "That's, that's one of the game's best. Yeah. Like I said, all four staffs, they know what they're doing. Uh, that's all I got on the LCS, Nate. Closing the book here, two seemingly major storylines that kind of come up in the middle of these games. The minor leaguers are now going to be receiving housing. MLB came out with that news uh, yesterday. Um, Can we and- associate? I feel like we really kind of destroy social media quite a bit. In the, in the negative effects that it has. I think social media made this happen. Oh, for sure. I think minor leaguers documenting that, and getting oh, those yeah. viral videos of their living and, and what they're having to go through and people living in cars and stuff so, like that, I think made this happen. If yeah, the like MLB eat, didn't do this, they were going to be in trouble. Yeah. Like eating moldy sandwiches and yeah, like, yeah, the, the pressure that was mounting against major league baseball yep. absolutely made that happen. Yeah. And it, it all came from social media presences, advocacy groups. Incredible, incredible job by making that happen because this was a must. This is a no-brainer. No-brainer. And I don't I don't need – I don't want to see videos moving forward of six dudes living in a two-bedroom apartment. Be better than that, please. Let this housing be sufficient. I, I want to say it was a passing tweet. It, it may have been in an article – uh, but I saw somewhere where it said the total cost for a team to house all minor league players at home for one season, according to two executives whose teams had explored doing so before the league pursued its mandate, is less than $1 million. That's a joke. Less than $1 million embarrassing. for a team to house all of its minor league players at home for one season, for a whole season. It's so embarrassing. And if you say... Well, that's 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 a lot of money to me. We're not talking about your personal checking account. We're talking about a major league baseball team, an entire organization. It's embarrassing that it took this long. You know what else seemingly took forever? And to be fair, we don't even know if it's going to happen yet. But uh, another rumor. Well, it's not another rumor because the minor league housing that's that is set. That's official. But a rumor that's been floating around is that Major League Baseball is exploring. Uh, a streaming service that will allow fans to watch local games without cable. And I would think that this would alleviate the blackout issue. I got to look more into it. I don't know if that, if that's still involved, uh, but what, just what the do you fact mean that exploring? you don't need cable. What I, do you, ex- you already have MLB TV. Like I, you, the, you literally already have it. Just get rid of the restrictions. Dumb. It's dumb. It's so dumb. Get rid of the location yeah, give requirements. Me, get rid of the cable sign-in screen that I got to go through when I open up MLB TV. And Do you have to go through that? We're golden. No, I don't use MLB TV. I just watch oh, Nessa. That's not a thing. MLB TV does not require it. It just chooses your location. So if you, you know, like when you open an app or open whatever and your iPhone says, hey, requesting location, figure out where you are, you accept, then it says, oh, you're in Boston. Uh, you okay. can't watch a Boston game. Gotcha. That has nothing to do with cable. Obviously, that agreement does, right? MLB's rights with TV says, hey, this works for us. TV, great. TV says, but if you do your MLB TV stuff, 
that's you, it's not going to work for the local stuff because we we bought those rights right our games are allowed to be played for us no one watches that way anymore so unfortunately those mlb tv prices are probably going to go up but worth it yeah see i don't i don't you like i said i don't use mlb network and i or uh, mlb tv and I just assumed because I thought at one point they had you because I know like all the other streaming service like if you use Nesson for example or you use like Fox Sports yes or, yeah or, that, or, another yeah, one you have do to that. use your cable login correct I just assumed yeah MLB TV did the same thing but that no. makes sense for the location yeah. thing that's that's a problem that needs to we because it's we don't technically need to go down that, that technically an MLB.com umbrella so it falls under that right so right. you can watch on your computer phone MLB.com app whatever you have but. Yeah, I'm assuming the prices are going to go up, which is fine. It just sucks when, you know, for people like us that we don't live anywhere near our favorite team. We're not sure worried don't. about blackouts. <laughs> sure don't. I don't need that's, to watch the Diamondbacks games. That's that's why our wild card trip was just a once in a lifetime thing. We, <laughs> we have to like, we have to plan out for weeks at a time to make a single baseball game happen. That's, uh, that's Side that's note, if you ever use Vivid Seats, I can promise you they're never going to be a sponsor on this podcast. I still haven't gotten a refund for the Yankee tickets. Oof. <laughs> Let's go. Come on. I mean, have the Yankees officially like called it this season? Or are they still I think there's hope still hopes. They, I think they're trying to find a loophole. They said, well, I mean, we were picked as preseason World Series favorites here. There's gotta be there's gotta be a way in, right? Just rent free. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> uh look, look, guy, like I told you last episode, our misery is not the same. Uh, there's no rent free going on anywhere. That's that is Yankee fans' last ditch effort to I try to sound people, relevant. People forget that the Yankees have gone through these stretches before. It's a part of it. it happens. They went, I think, like 15 years between the 60s and 70s. Obviously, they were terrible in the 80s and early 90s. We've seen this before. It's unfortunate. I I would disagree there. Uh, that's all I got. Unless you got anything else. No. I'm, I'm doing my best to watch these games, people. I'm going to be honest. I, I, I really just, I, I hate specifically the ALCS. I hate it. I've texted you a couple of times where the, the blowout starts early with the Red Sox side. I'm like, all right, You're like, all right I'm going I'm to get out. food. I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. I'm, I'm done. Pages. Keep some notes for me because I'm out. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I want a better series. I want like better games. On this side, the ALCS needs to have more competitive games. No, I don't. I don't need that. I like putting up 10, 12, 20 runs against these record-breaking numbers. <laughs> yeah, these frauds. Yeah, Craig, uh, it's a new freaking watch because I think it's broken. Are you watching the coverage? Still, did you see that commercial? The race for MVP. What is that about? Race. Who knows? You, the season's over. The, the race knows? is already completed. What do? You, Who knows? What a yoke. Uh, I'm out of here. That's it. I'll go chasing curveballs. We love y'all. And as always, looking forward to talking more baseball with you guys soon. Until next time, stay filthy.